Hi, everybody. This is David Osterloh. Many of you know me because I ran a retail business in Elk City for over 30 years. That's where I learned that if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when it was time to look for a career in real estate, I wanted to land someplace that had the same principles. Western Oklahoma Realty seemed like a natural fit. Putting people before property is the same as taking care of your customers. Since I've been at Western Oklahoma Realty, I've come to understand that is how they do business. People before property is not just a hashtag, it's a way of taking care of customers. When you are looking for your next home, we will find a place that your family can call home. When you are going to sell your current home, we will find a buyer that loves your place as much as you do. Western Oklahoma Realty, where putting people before property is a way of life. Come see us at 602 West 3rd Street. We are in the historic greenhouse on the hill, one block west of Homeland. Or you can check out our website, westernoklahomarealty.com, or even call us at 580-225-6271. If you build it, he will. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Couch. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Man, we got AJM Pack Show. This could be one where we could probably do, I don't know, until noon if we really had to <laughs> with all the stuff going on. Um, not a bunch of time for the NFL. We know when we do that tomorrow anyhow. Uh, so Major League Baseball playoffs, Game 7 coming up tonight, the first Game 7 in the baseball playoffs since 2020. No wins at home yet in the American League Championship Series. What does that mean? Last night's game looks like it was more of a blowout than it really was. Uh, but Texas bounces back after losing all three at home. Takes the first one of what they were hoping would be two in Houston, setting up that game for tonight. Game seven, Max Scherzer versus Christian Javier. The Phillies can close it out at home today. So they won game five, avoided the fate of the of the Rangers as far as losing the middle three games. They they snuck out game five, so now they've got two shots at it to win at home, a place that they haven't lost in forever. College football from the weekend, <clears throat> Oklahoma escapes UCF 31-29. Do you, do you count it as a glimmer of hope if you're an OU fan what you saw from the run game late? Was the defense bad? OSU in the in, absolutely in the battle to go to Arlington right now. Is Ollie Gordon the best running back in the Big 12? Oklahoma State's offensive line has been playing great lately. Talk about the rest of the Big 12, what happened, and of course around the country as well with some big games and some big results. <clears throat> it was kind of survivor Saturday for most because there were some teams that had been rolling, OU included, that had their hands full. Some made it through unscathed. A couple did not make it through, most notably the powder blue of the Carolina Tar Heels. And then did you see what Emmanuel Acho, what his advice to Caleb Williams was? What an interesting thought that is. And how much more convoluted is it now than it would have been, say, five years ago because of three little letters that may preclude some of these guys from being able to just shut it down. High School Football Friday night, we'll talk about what happened in 4A1. The Elks held off Weatherford. Uh, Clinton's one win away from the district title. How that all sets up. Uh, Merritt took it uh, on the chin from Thomas. Their playoff hopes are pretty well dashed. Sayers are on life support. There is a way, uh, but it starts with a win this week. And then Hollis with a big win as well. And then we'll look what's coming up uh, for the for the playoff implications in Class 4A. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Chime right in, 225 225- Nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com or download the app. The app has it all. It's got radio. It's got Penny News. It's got Big Elk and Paragon TV. And then, of course, uh, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show entirely, go back and check it out 
everywhere and anywhere that you can find a podcast. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. How are you doing? <clears throat> Wonderful. This is the first time I haven't seen you in a Texas Ranger cap going into a game. It's downstairs. I okay. just took it off. I was going to say. It's downstairs. Of all the days not to have it. It's the one hat. Not to have your lid. It's the one hat I have not worn during this postseason run. And I, and I wore it last night. So I'm not ever not wearing it now. I'm going to wear it tonight and hopefully hopefully um, going into uh, the World Series. But I'm calling it the lucky hat. The lucky hat. And I tried every combination. <laughs> uh, and so last night I'm like, all right, what what's going to work? A little superstitious going on here. But whatever worked, worked. So I'm going to do it again tonight. Hopefully it works out for the Rangers. We'll get to the baseball in a little bit. Uh, let's go back Friday night, high school football. Uh, the Elks held off Weatherford twenty-one to fourteen. It was a <clears throat> it was a wild game. It started out the way it started with the pick six on the very first play of the game, um, with the first of what ended up being five interceptions uh, for McSpirit from Weatherford. Um, but I I give the Eagles tons of credit for hanging in there because with the you know with the backup quarterback in the game, it's starting like that. And then throwing another pick, kind of in the in the Big Elk red zone in the second drive, for hanging around and and being able to run the football on on Elk City's defense as well as anybody has all year long. It just felt like there was a few too many times where maybe the Elks finally did rise up on a first down play or even a second down play to put Weatherford back in, in a position to where they felt like they had to throw it. And unfortunately uh, for the Eagles, the Big Oak secondary was awesome. And it just seems like they were in the right place and, and we were able to, to capitalize off of those mistakes for just enough uh, to hold on and win that game. Everybody knew what the implications were, whether it had a bunch of guys that didn't get to play <clears throat> due to injury. But I, I thought kudos to them for the way they played and the way they battled and the way that uh, that they were able to – to take the Elks right to the brink, and you know it, it's it's you can look at it a bunch of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of which, if I was the Weatherford, I would be thinking, "Golly, we turned it over five times. We had two drops in the end zone of touchdown passes, <clears throat> and we lose by seven. But at the end yeah. of the, at the end of the day, though, none of that matters. It's a it's a W or a L, and, and the Big Elks got the win, and now they're in great position to host a playoff game. Yeah, back to Weatherford, it, it has to be agonizing if you go back to the Clinton game and how that went for them, where they, they played really good. It's just like two costly mistakes cost them, and, and Clinton was able to capitalize on it, maybe two or three. And same thing here. I mean, they're that close to getting a couple of key wins and, and, and being almost district champs. And now they're uh, – it looks like they might have to uh, travel in the first round of the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it was the cards that were dealt to them. And, and yeah, I'm with you. Hats off to Weatherford for – they had a lot of uh, uh, injuries that they had to deal with, and that's what we got. And, and, and still got a good game and a great effort from them, which we expect. It doesn't, you know, whatever – whoever they throw out there. I mean, this is a rivalry game, so you can kind of throw out that stuff and – and you're going to get an emotional game. We saw a lot of emotion out there, hard hitting, um, big plays that that turned out to be that to matter, including the very first play of the game. So it it was a, I think it was a game that we kind of expected, uh, both emotionally and uh, defensively. I think we really expected a really good defensive battle, and, and that's what we got. But uh, good job, Big Elks, though. I mean, that's a, a on the on on the Big Elk side of things. That's a game that you can get caught up in uh, with the emotion and and do some things. Uh, um, over the top and they played within themselves and they had the drives that matter I mean they they did things that mattered when they needed it uh key drives and run the clock out um key plays like um uh the quarterback sneak or, or the the not really a sneak the the boot run and, and all that stuff so hats off to them and and um you know a couple more uh games left and and that really sets us up to possibly host a playoff game which is big it's absolutely huge home field is huge in the playoffs so um it's it's they're kind of like peaking i don't want to say peaking at the right time but they're crescendoing up right stocks going up on the big elks right now so that's a good thing as we get close to the playoffs 
Yeah, I mean, it was. Listen, uh, it was, it was what it was. There was some stuff that I'm sure, looking back at the film, that you, you got to clean up. And Absolutely. I, and I know it's emotional. I know it's this. I know it's that. But there's just stuff that you can't have happen. And it, it didn't bite the Elks this time. But you can see where, you know, a penalty here, a penalty there, just kind of lose, losing your mind for a couple of seconds or a half a second, whatever it is. Next thing you know, we're all, everybody's sitting around talking about, golly, if we just wouldn't have done, you know. So that's it's definitely a, a, an experience that, that can be learned from in that, in that uh, type of environment because, you know, the next two weeks, the Elks just need to win one of them uh, against – the the bottom part of the district in, in Woodward and in John Marshall and if you do that then yeah you host a playoff game and one of those four a four a one four a two excuse me teams comes out here and we saw a year ago even as district champs you know Newcastle is the fourth team in four a two had the Elks right down to the wire right I mean it was a it was a close game so you know those are things that um, you know there there are there's always you know teaching moments I guess. And they're a lot easier taken with a win over one of your rivals as opposed to in a losing situation. Well, that's what that I said earlier. Cost it. Yeah, it's, I said it earlier in the year. You know, the Bridge Creek game stands out. They weren't sharp. They got the win, but I was kind of pleased because they could, okay, got the win, learned more about ourselves and what to get better with, you know, what to work on. And, and that's still, even even after week eight, through eight weeks of football, that still rings true, which is actually encouraging for me. They're playing really good, but there's still stuff that they can work on, and and you know they'll work on. It's a good coaching staff. Maynard and staff to, does a great job with them to, and you know, film session. They're going, hey guys, we got to do this better. We got to do that better. So I I like that. It's not it's not I, we're not resting back and just going through the motions. And that's going to be really easy to do with these next two opponents. And I don't I don't <laughs> think they'll do that. I yeah, think- it's a similar situ- situation to last year. Except for the only difference is you're trying to, to hold on to the number two spot and not win the district. Yeah. But this is exactly the situation it was coming off of the Weatherford game a year ago. And so maybe that's, you know, it's a, even, a, even a way to, since you know how that felt, a lot of these, mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were out there, or at least on the team, and how to, how to do that better if, if there is something to do better. I mean, you know, the, the Woodward game, it ended up being one of those, just you look back and golly, it, it felt like we came out of that game with like a triage unit, right? That's the game that Tucker tore his ACL. That's the game where Gino got hurt on an ankle. It just seemed like there was a bunch of different things there, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in a game that didn't, I mean, it mattered, had to win it, but at the end of the day, it was over pretty quick. Yeah. So there's, there's probably some lessons to be learned about uh, Frame even last year being in a similar situation. I mean, it's, it's a little different, but it's very, very similar with what the Elks have the next two weeks. All right, so Clinton uh, defeated Chickasha. They moved one step closer. They're, they're one win away uh, from wrapping up the district title. Uh, Clinton's got two two road games to finish at Cash and at Woodward, but one of those win one and the district title race is over, and then Weatherford plays their last district game this week. At home against John Marshall, they win that one. They can do worse, no worse than third in the district. So you can say that four A one starting to uh, it's starting the the picture's becoming clear, and it looks to me for all the world like it's going to go Clinton, Elk City, Weatherford, and then next week in week ten, whoever wins Cash Chickasha will be the fourth with the fourth team in the playoffs. So it's pretty pretty clear cut, I think, with what's coming up this week and then next week. In 4A1, you, you see mm-hmm. everyone's kind of slotted in there unless something crazy happens. 4A2 is a little bit different. Next two weeks are going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit different. Um, uh, uh, stay here first. Uh, Merritt and Sayer both took losses in uh, Class A's District 1. Merritt's pretty pretty well eliminated from the playoff hunt, not, not only because of who they've lost to, in the standings, but also what they've got coming. I mean, that was the first of three straight games against the teams at the top of the district. Fairview's still looming. I think that's this week that they get Fairview. So, Oilers, you know, that we talked about it after after the battle for Beckham County. That was the game that they had to win, right, to to really stay in the hunt 
because of what they had coming down the stretch. Now they have Hooker at home, then go to Fairview Week 10. That's not the recipe to move up the standings. Sarah, on the other hand, they're not completely eliminated, but they need help. Losing to uh, Moreland 44-24 on, uh, on Friday night. They go to Texoma, so they've got to beat Texoma. And then they've got, they, they need Texoma to beat Moreland. And then all the stuff kind of work out. Because then at that point, you'd have a three-way tie for fourth. You'd all beat each other. Is it the district points? So that, that's it's a hard road to hoe if, if you're Sayre. Because, as a matter of fact, I don't think they can get there. If you look at Moreland at 15 points. But they could take an L here. Actually, you know what? They still play Thomas as well. So Moreland could end up with four losses. Texoma could end up with four losses. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's how it happens. And then we get district points. You need you need Moreland. They drop 15, 15. It's minus 15. Texoma, yeah, they can't get there. At minus 50. So never mind. Yeah. Merritt could get there points-wise. They've got to beat. Yeah, that's not looking good. As you look at the, at those district points, they needed to save some of those points on 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 Friday night to be able to stay in it. Now Hollis, on the other hand, they got a huge win at home against Balco Forgan, and so the uh, the Tigers now two and one in the district, currently third with games at Shattuck at Turpin. Win one of those, and you stay out of the the fourth place, right? Especially if you beat Shattuck, because that'd be head to head win. And you'd be right there, um, but guaranteed in the playoffs after beating Balco Forgan, unless something crazy happens. The, the, the Tigers in there with the twenty-eight twelve win over Balco Forgan. So that, it, I think that's kind of the way that played out last year, in in that situation where they were that that kind of came down to it, and and that's the way that went in B one. So Hollis is going to be a playoff team. Not just matters how they slot in district uh, class B district one. All right, I mentioned four A two. <clears throat> so we, if if we start with okay, Clinton, Elk City, Weatherford, Chickasha, Cash, Winter, right? Let's kind of go with if that's the order that it looks like everything's going to finish up in, in District One. District Two is completely different. They do have the same scenario at the very very top. You've got Blanchard five and zero. They've already beat Tuttle. They've already beat Newcastle. They play Bethany this week. A Blanchard win, and the district title race is over. The Lions are going to be district champs, which means they would host, if you kind of go forward, whoever wins that Chickasha cash game. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and the thing about Blanchard is they kind of have a mulligan if Bethany would lose week 10 to Newcastle. Because then every, very very possible, yeah, and everybody's got one loss. Planters beat everybody but Bethany. You know that it looks like the Lions are probably one. Now, now second, third, and fourth. Who knows? That this could go a hundred different ways. The first game that'll matter is coming up on Friday night. Tuttle Newcastle. Tuttle's hosting Newcastle. Now, if the Tigers get it done, they're going to be second. Because at that point, they would have wins over Bethany and Newcastle. Tie breaks all their way. If Newcastle were to win, then, I mean, it could literally end up three or four or five different ways because of that game in Week 10 with Newcastle and Bethany. So basically on Friday night, if Tuttle wins, if Tuttle beats Newcastle and Blanchard, it's going to go Blanchard, Tuttle, and then the Big Elks will be scoreboard watching for that Week 10 game mm-hmm. with Newcastle and Bethany to see who's coming out here. Right. Clear as mud. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm just taking it week by week. Yeah, so Tuttle, just watching this week, it's Tuttle and Newcastle's game. I'm really going to keep an eye yeah, on Yeah, and we, and we got nothing last week out of 4A2 because the, the schedule the worked out where the, the top played the bottom. That's right. right. All, so all was, four top teams played all four bottom teams, and there was the they killed them, so – this is the week. The next two weeks is when everything starts to get sifted out. 
Man, I wish 4A1 was scheduled like that. Whereas Elk, Clinton, Weatherford were like the last two or three weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then whoever the fourth contender for the fourth team would be. That's interesting. We got some of those games early. Four spot. Well, Blanchard playing everybody we got early. Or playing Tuttle and Newcastle. You know, that was like yeah. week five and six. But now we've had to wait a few weeks for everybody else to start, you know, kind of going through the rest of the schedule. And now we get the – yeah, it's loaded at the back end there. And then also one more game that will matter, or we all think it will matter, uh, hopefully down the road, in District 4 of 4A, two undefeated teams go at it, Poto and Ada. Poto hosts Ada for the 4A4 district crown. Why does that matter, you ask? They're clear across the state. Well, if you spin it forward and the Elks take care of business, finish second, and if they're able to win their first-round playoff game – they would more than likely go to the winner of Poto and Ada. So that's why paying attention to that across the state of Oklahoma this week as well uh, with those two 8-0 uh, teams, really kind of 2-3 and three in some of the polls. I've got the, I've got the uh, Oklahomans poll pulled up right here. Yeah, 2-3, and three, Poto and Ada. So that's a, that's a huge game for how, how convenient that the Oklahoman put them up at 2-3. and three. Because it was four. And they yeah, dri- they jumped Blanchard. They jumped Blanchard, which I get it. They're undefeated. Eight no. So the top, the three undefeated 4A teams are one through three. Yeah, Wagner, Poto, Ada. And it, it doesn't have the next, you, then you'd go, oh, well, why don't the, why aren't the one loss teams the next two? Well, Tuttle beat Newcastle. So. They haven't played. Oh, no, they haven't played. Yeah, I'm thinking about Blanchard. Blanchard beat Tuttle. And Newcastle. And Newcastle. Yeah. But there you go, 4-8-2, Blanchard 4, Tuttle 5, Newcastle 6. Bethany 9. Bethany 9. 4-8-1, Clinton 7, and Elk City right there at 10. Yeah, the Elks came in after beating. Uh, Salisaw was in there, they got beat. Weatherford was in there, obviously, they got beat. So Bethany and the Elks joined the pole at the bottom. You know what it's, it reminds me of a little bit? Mm, what's that? Just the polling is two years ago. Now, the difference is the Elks started pretty high in the poll and kind of moved down as they lost. You know, two years ago, we'd look at this poll on a Monday after winning, thinking, where are they, where are they, where are they? Never got ranked, never got ranked, never got ranked. The next thing you know, shocking the world with two wins on the east side of the state, and they're going, well, that, why wasn't that team ranked? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> well, take the – you know my beef with the Oklahoman. I take it with a grain of salt. It's about clicks, not about – Yeah, but I think they've got it. I think they finally got it right. It's it's interesting because if you look at the four A two losses, they're really good losses. Mm-hmm. They're either to each other or like Tuttle's loss. Their, their other loss is Guthrie, which yeah turns out to be a pretty good loss. And it turns out they were the only team to and score on them until yeah, last week. They weren't necessarily blown out either. Twenty to three. Yeah. So it's interesting. Lots to. Uh, so lots to happen here in the last two weeks yeah. in the high school football season to get ready for the playoffs. But we do know one thing. We do know that Elk City, Clinton, Weatherford are all going to be in those playoffs. Now it's just a matter of where they're going and who they're playing. And Class C is a top four in their districts too that make playoffs? I think so. And Corn Bible Academy is in contention. Last I checked. And, of course, Mountain View, too, in the same district. I forget what district that is. District 2. They're both. Yeah. So, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, both 3 and 2. We'll be back. We were sitting around the office one day and tried to explain what Western Oklahoma Realty was. If you had to put it in a dictionary, what would you get? What kind of definition you would get? I think I said, is a, what about, were people before property? People before property means to me that you care about the person more than you care about what they're buying in that you want them to get the best thing for their circumstances, the best home, the best investment. For all your real estate needs, give Western Oklahoma Realty a call at 225-6271. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal, hanging out here on a Western Oklahoma Realty Monday. Speaking of Western Oklahoma Realty, Ah, my! I scratched and clawed and got back to even or at five hundred. 
in the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em. And then this week was just a disaster, Jared. Three and seven, and now four games back of 500. Ouch. What happened? You made the wrong picks. You talked me into you. You talked me into thinking Ohio State was going to win that game over Penn State on Friday when we talked about it, because mm-hmm. of all the the success that Ohio State had had against Penn State and especially James Franklin. Now one in nine is James Franklin against the Buckeyes, and I just didn't. I forgot to fit. I forgot to switch it. Oh, you didn't switch. it? I didn't switch. Oh, it. I was going to say they you talked won. me right into it, they and won. I didn't switch it. I forgot to switch it. Man, I tell you what, Penn State's a fraud. Are they not a fraud? Go back and look at their records. I when did when did Franklin? Uh, this is his tenth year. They've won the Big Ten once. Look at this record. They keep showing it against Ohio State. One and nine. I that know that should have been our our. That's our, what ta- that should have been like. Wait a minute. I saw it. We I, cannot pick Penn State in this game. I saw it, and then that's when I. That's what I'm saying. When we talked about it on Friday, I had seen. James Franklin's abysmal record against Penn, against Ohio State. He's a little bit better against Michigan, three and six. Yeah, but Michigan was and a I little down it. at that time. Now they've kind of come back. Yeah, but still. I, but the problem was I didn't switch it. I was I was convinced that Ohio State was going to win the game. I just forgot to switch the pick, and that's on me. Man, big poppy, big poppy tens running away all of a sudden. A five-game lead for first. We're going to have to find out if that's really Jim. Is that Jim or is that Jared Cudd's son from Arapaho in second? <laughs> Traber's pick. Could be. We got a suitor. We got Embry's. We got you. Ten above. And then me languishing down there in the middle. Let me see who let me down this week. Yeah, Penn State. Hey, is Air Force going to go undefeated and maybe and get into a to a New Year's Six? That'd be kind of very, cool. very, very good possibility. Well, OU obviously let me down. Yeah, you knew that was coming. They weren't uh, yeah. going to cover every spread all year long. Texas didn't cover. It's obvious. Uh, North Carolina let me down. Washington. Come on, Washington. I had the other side of that one. That was one of the ones I got right. I was afraid of the letdown after the huge win over Oregon and just not quite being sharp, and it turns out that was it. Oh, by the way, there's Billy. He's way down there himself. Happy birthday, Billy. It's Billy's birthday over the weekend. Hey, good job. Happy birthday, Billy. At the bottom, our man Polly is still right there, 30 and 50. Who is the closest? 33 and 47s. Yep. 34 and 46 for our man John David. He's There's a little separation happening right now, Jared. A little bit. Still a few weeks to go, though. Still I'm a looking, bunch of weeks to go. I'm looking for one person, and I'm not sure if he's on our group or if he was in another group, but he said um, he went over this week. No, oh, no. He missed. Ice Trey. I've got you spotted. It's Trey. <laughs> I've got you spotted right here. It's Trey from Newcastle. At yeah. 76th. He goes, ah, uh, man, uh, you'd have to try. Yeah. <laughs> to miss all those and still <laughs> couldn't do it. Yeah. That's all right, Trey. I told him there is a prize for the last place if you yep. want to keep trying to better, miss them all. You better keep, keep missing. <laughs> all right, we had a question. Where's JB? I don't know. Right there, 23rd. 23rd. 43 and 37. 10 games back of first, but only four back of third. That's a possibility. Have a couple of really hot weeks and you'll move right up. Yep. Thank you to Tyler Harrison, Robbie Allen, and all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty. People before property is their motto. It's always a fun game all throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Appreciate everybody playing as well. 123 of you out there. College football, Jared, suitors squeak by the University of Central Florida, 31-29. to 
I felt like Biff from Back to the Future 2 and watching the game with the people I was watching it with. Toward the end of the third quarter, I said, you know how this game's going to end, right? They looked at me like, I don't know how. Oh, you losing? I said, no. It's going to come down to Oklahoma stopping a two-point conversion. And they looked, well, it's 23-17. to They're behind. How is that going to matter? I said, because they're going to score twice, and then UCF's going to go down and get a touchdown, and they're going to have to stop a two-point conversion in order to win the game. Whammo. Wish I had it on tape so I could play it. <laughs> because, yeah. All right, Joe, our man Joe and KJ looked at me like I had two heads. Yeah. When I said that, like, uh, really? It's a six point where you're behind by six. How They were trying to figure out, okay, why would the two point? They're doing that. Would, yeah. That would just be a two point lead. They have to score, you know. I said, no, no, they're going to score twice. That's how it's going to happen. And sure enough, they did. And that's exactly how it played out. How do you view, how, how, do, how do you view that game? Well, I, I don't know. I, I've been racking my brain about this. I don't want to say a Texas hangover because I said earlier last week or on Friday that they've had two weeks to prepare for this. They had the week off. That that whole hangover theory should be put to bed. Well, now 24-1. and one After. The last 25 yeah. years after the Texas game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> elaborate, text line. Oh, he's mad about the he's mad about the pass interference that at the end of the first half that took away an interception in the end zone. Oh, okay. And gave Oklahoma three points. Okay. That's what he's talking about. Oh, all right. So that that changed the whole complexity of the game, the whole second half. Well, if you take away three, it's a one point win for Central Florida. <laughs> just... Okay, yeah, you must be right, OSU fanboy. <laughs> um uh I also wondered, and I did say this about preparing for the quarterback that has been injured. Uh, he was okay. I mean, he, but there was some busted coverage. I think that that was a big part of that. Um, I don't know. Run game did step up though when it mattered, but they were still having trouble establishing the run game early <clears throat> in that game. It was it was uh, frustrating to watch. How about you? What what was your overall? What'd you take away from it? Like, why did Central Florida stick around? Uh, I mean, multiple multitude of reasons. Oklahoma came out horribly in the first quarter on offense. I mean, you could make the case it should have been 21 or 24 to nothing. Well, take 24 out of it because it's not like the kicker was going to make a field goal, which is a huge concern. <laughs> That's a big concern. But Oklahoma's offense just – I don't know if it was just trying so hard to beat your head against the wall because that team couldn't stop the run. Or just kind of lack of focus. I mean, it, the the very first possession, everybody's been clamoring, me included, to see Gavin Sawchuck on the field. And what does he do? He lets snap goes right through his hands, and then he drops a pass. I mean, you know, it just kind of got off on the bad start. And Oklahoma defensively in the first quarter was awesome, obviously, and created all that field position. I think the, the first four drives, it was from the OU 45, from the uh, UCF 46, from the UCF 45, and from the UCF 40. And they scored seven points. And, but, and that's we, we've seen that kind of the other way, though. We, we, we really haven't seen over the past, what, decade, five years, whatever, if you want to go back to Riley, if you want to go clear back through some of the end of Stoops. We haven't really seen where it was the offense – keeping teams in games normally it's the other way around score a bunch of points but you're giving up a bunch of points and then it's close that's not the way that game started um Oklahoma's offense had a chance to really bury UCF from the beginning and they didn't do it <clears throat> and then all of a sudden um you know Malzahn he's he's who he is for a reason and the way he schemes things up I mean that that touchdown right before the half I mean, I just had flashbacks to watching Auburn, Alabama, and how many times did a play like that work for Auburn against Alabama, where you just suck up the defense with the quarterback, thinking he's going to take off running, and you forget about a guy, and you let somebody loose. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. <clears throat> and I'm surprised they didn't go back to that, to be quite honest. And they never did for the rest of the game. So I was really surprised they didn't they didn't go back to that. But 
You know, I think you can look at it a bunch of different ways. Oklahoma was sloppy. Oklahoma made mistakes. Oklahoma absolutely could have lost that game, but they didn't. And you, you think you think the folks in, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina right now would have taken an ugly win? I know the folks in Seattle, Washington are glad for an ugly win. Right. Folks in Austin, Texas are glad for an ugly win. Well, it's like kind of what do we say after the SMU game? Well, what, what were we saying? Well, that's a, and that's the last thing for me. That's a game Oklahoma absolutely loses a year ago. Mm-hmm. They absolutely lose it, and so you know if you want to be if you want to if you want to go with the glass half full, it's you sneak out with a win and you're still undefeated. You're still in the national title race. You're still in the playoff race and all that. But I think the concerning thing is you can see cracks maybe starting to form and a loss coming after a game like that. Yeah, unless things are not unless things are fixed. But if they play like that in Lawrence, and news for you, Kansas is a little better than Central Florida. We we know that based on results they they've already played. But yeah, they got a so maybe it's a wake up call. But a win's a win. They're seven or no. Survive in advance. It's kind of the kind of narrative I'm looking at. It's like they're undefeated. They keep going. Everything else will take care of itself. They can just it wasn't pretty. It's kind of like we talked about the Elk City game. Now, I mean, okay, we know what we got to work on. We we got to get better in this department. Yeah, okay, we but get better here. Uh, that's that's all fine and dandy, but it didn't. We all knew that the running game needs to be worked on. So it is all of a sudden there's I, some I'm sort just, of. I've kind of put my hands up. Like it's not going to. It's gonna not going to happen. Well, it's not working. So there's no glimmer of hope at the end. I'm, I'm with the way t- they play in the fourth. Seven quarter? games in, if they can't run the damn football, then I've given up. Well, but they did in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> so there's no there's no glimmer of hope I there. Don't know. Why wait till the fourth quarter? I don't know why they couldn't do that in the first quarter. They tried. They tried. I know that's what I'm saying. They tried. I kind of put my hands up like I, I don't have any faith in them able to run the football. I do wonder if they had – now, Anderson's awesome. All he does is catch touchdown passes. But I wonder with the lack of um, – well, of course you agree with me. You root for OSU. I mean, text line. <laughs> All right, think? move on from that. Yeah. Talk about what you're uh, the, talking about. The uh, filling the void of uh, the hurt wide receiver. I wonder if there's going to be something of that, seeing any bit of that. Uh, but uh, Gabriel's throws, they they seem to keep – they sailed a little bit like we kind of saw last year in key third downs. Here's the truth. Gabriel didn't play good against Texas, but because of the last drive, nobody cares. How many throws did he – the big-time throws, he still doesn't hit them. He still doesn't hit the really important throws to keep drives alive. Yeah. In those moments. He did it all day against Texas, but nobody cared because of the last minute 15. Nobody cared. But you can go back to that game on Saturday to to you know keep drives alive early to go score. Or to try to, you know, mount comeback drives when you're down. I mean, I think Jaden Gibson made an unbelievable catch at midfield on a third down on a ball that was just horrifically thrown. And then the very next play, Farouk is wide open at about the 35-yard line, and he throws it way behind him, incomplete, and then what happens the next two plays? He gets sacked, and Sooners are punting it. By the way, found a punter. It may be the most positive thing in the, <laughs> old, in the whole game. Bazinga can punt. Did you get the reference? No. Bazinga? Yeah. His name is Elzinga. Bazinga? Did you not watch uh, Big Bang Theory? Was that a Big Bang Theory reference? Yes. (laughs) I I, I was thinking, because I didn't know his name, so I'm thinking, is that really his name? No. Bazinga can punt. Well, keep keep going, kid. Yeah. He's earned a nickname then. Kicker, who knows? That guy. Can he kick field goals, though? Is anybody (laughs) confident about that? Now, last thing, defensively, there were some plays, but I think you can look positive on that as well. They held they held UCF to like three under 400 yards, and they were averaging well over 500 yards. So, you know, 120 less than their average. I think there was some good things about the defense, but a couple big plays, big runs, the one big pass down the sideline. 
There's some issues there that need to be fixed. Oklahoma State went into Morgantown, West Virginia. That was a wild one. Seemed like it was one of those games that the home team was going to find a way to win, and then the fourth quarter happened, and Ollie Gordon just ran absolutely wild up and down the field against West Virginia, and the Cowboys win 48-34, putting themselves absolutely 100% in the race for Arlington. Because, once again, schedule. When you look at the schedule, obviously Bedlam is looming in a couple of weeks. Outside of that, you host Cincinnati this week, you go to UCF, you go to Houston, and you host BYU. That schedule is much more favorable than the other teams that are fighting in the race for Arlington. Man, And what's crazy is... uh, they, you know, who wouldn't want to see an OSU Texas game this year? And it's just not going to happen because it's not on the schedule. And OSU has that win over K State in their back pocket as well. How, they are um, a one bad spot away from possibly having an inside track to the second place. Uh, I'm re- referencing that Texas Houston game. If you think about it, if they can continue to take care of business OSU that is and in Texas now without their quarterback apparently for the next couple of games uh, who knows what can happen so that that but but you know you can control what you only can control and OSU I thought played great you know we talk about one team that can't run the ball man that is Ollie Gordon's arguably the best running back in the Big 12 I don't think it's much of an argument at the moment (laughs) he's he's he was awesome on Saturday I watched a good chunk of that game when I got home so uh, they, yeah, they appeared to have turned a corner um, this week. Cincinnati, you would think, should be they should be fine with that, and and hopefully not looking ahead to Bedlam, and uh, could set up a a, a really good um, last Bedlam for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, if if OU can take care of business in Lawrence, and then and OSU take take care of Cincinnati like we think they should, we think OU should, and uh, what suddenly looked like could be a, a a sleeper of a snoozer of a Bedlam game just what two three weeks ago now it's all of a sudden it, it has some implications not just for bragging rights but for 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 arlington for for a trip to arlington so um but yeah back to ollie gordon though he looked awesome 29 for 282 four touchdowns three of those came in the fourth quarter and and kudos to oklahoma state's offensive line a a, a really sore subject early on they have turned they have turned things completely around and now you know if you're Golly, if you're an OSU fan, you, you look back at a couple of those. You know, the, the South Alabama, Ollie Gordon and Brendan Presley touched the ball five times in that game combined. What? I mean, how silly does that look now? It just looks silly with the way that that guy, uh, there's that stat out there, Scott Wright says it every time he's on The Morning Animals about if you give him the ball, 12 times or more they've never lost and and look at the carries that Ollie Gordon's had the last two the last four weeks starting at the Iowa State game which is really kind of when he broke out 18 for 121 21 for 136 29 for 168 and now 29 for 282 and his average yards per carry have been at six or higher it was almost 10 on Saturday which is just silly and a bunch of those big runs at the end obviously helped that but still Oklahoma State, it's amazing to me where they've come from in a month and how much different the conversation is about the Pokes right now than it was just a few short weeks ago. I mean, they were a lot of people's next-to-last best team in the Big 12 going into that Kansas State game. And now you look up, and I guarantee you the people, if you start ranking them, a bunch of people will rank them third. Even though they have that Iowa State loss, you know, you look at the standings, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State all tied at 3-1. and one. Well, Iowa State has an advantage over OSU. OSU has an advantage over K-State. And then Texas plays both Iowa State and K-State coming up. And it looks like for sure the K-State game without viewers in two weeks. Yeah, the, the day of Bedlam, November the 4th, it's not just going to be a, a Bedlam day. It's also K-State, Texas day. There, there's going to be... It's like Big 12 shakeout day. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it's going to be uh, there 
when that when that week comes up here in two weeks. It's funny on the text line. Two separate people said it's gonna be nice when OU gets him in the transfer portal. Gordon, that is. <laughs> I wouldn't say OU needs to offer all of you nil deal. <laughs> and when you hear when you hear Kel Gundy talk about that recruitment, he really, really, really wanted him, and then didn't get him. Recruited him, but didn't get him, and went to Oklahoma State. And now he's the guy. You heard about him all last. You know, it's the the, the hype has been building, but you hadn't seen it on the field. And partly, you got to think that if you're if you're Gundy, if you're Casey Dunn, you're looking back, going, "What were we doing?" Well, that has to be frustrating for OSU fans. What were or, we doing? Or, you know, even just a just a fan of college football is like, "Why haven't we seen this guy earlier in the year?" Yeah, could have been the difference in a couple of games. Yep. So, but pokes are rolling. It's a look-ahead spot, I think, for coming up this week. But the, the one thing about, I think, the positive is it's homecoming, and that normally kind of creates focus because of, of how big a deal homecoming is up there. So that may, that may that may really, really help them this week to be able to stay focused on Cincinnati and not get your thoughts uh, to the 4th of November. I'd in, in be OU shocked if, at this point, the way OSU's turned that corner, I'd be shocked if Cincinnati even gave them a game. I think OSU's just clearly the better team on the field. Yeah, and it's just a matter of it's just a matter of staying focused. Oh, you know, Cincinnati's defensive line is good. So maybe it forces Bowman a little bit more to to be involved in winning the game, but yeah, that should be a game that Oklahoma State wins. We'll see about the Sooners in Kansas and then here comes Bedlam. Um What time is that Cincinnati game for OSU? What time seven is it? Seven o'clock. It's oh, a night, night game. Oh, it is a night game. Yep, it's yeah, a night game. Because it's homecoming, of course. Uh rest of the Big Twelve. You mentioned the spot with Texas. In Houston, golly, it looked like the Horns were just going to crush the Cougs early on, twenty-one nothing. Then the Ewers injury happens, and Houston kind of figured them out. It's the most second most yards thrown against um, Texas since the I can't remember how it's Pete K is the defense coordinator Kyatowski or whatever that is, however you say his name. Second most yards thrown against the Texas defense since he since he's been the defensive coordinator. Uh, Donovan Smith, we've seen him at Tech a couple of times, kind of had huge games this time at Houston, had huge huge games um, on Saturday, but the Horns did just enough. You mentioned Ewer's injury. It looks from the early reporting three or four weeks, so that means most of the rest of the regular season should be back for a Big 12 title game appearance if that happens for Texas. And now it's Malik Murphy. Isn't that his name? No, no. That's the guy from... Is he have the same name as the guy from Chickasha? Uh, no, let me look. That rolled off the tongue like I was right. I think Murphy is the last name. Let I think me... it is. I think it's Malik Murphy. Oh, my goodness. This computer just... Anyhow. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Yeah, Malik Murphy. That's his. Okay. Anyway. So the Horns do get the win. They keep themselves right there, right there in the hunt, but how much louder do this? And we're getting these texts. How much louder do we get some of the Arch Manning stuff? Yeah, yeah. That yours is out. That's the thing. I mean, that's everyone's gonna as soon as the as soon as Murphy starts to struggle, you're gonna start hearing those rumblings of get him in, get him in. But um, but it definitely makes these games. I know they open like as an 18 point favorite versus BYU. Should win that one. I think they'd be okay. But then, like you know, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Without Ewers, it, it gives you how are they going to fare in those games? You know, especially at TCU, is kind of maybe figuring some things out. Uh, what did they lose? Oh my gosh! Did I miss that? BYU crushed. Oh wow! I'd guess them. I- Overlooked that one. Yeah, it looked like they were figuring stuff out with the different. You know, it was like almost the Chandler Morris curse. He went out and they found a quarterback that could play, and then, uh, yeah. Well, then suddenly that BYU game looks a little interesting. No, wait a more minute. More interesting. No, no. TCU crushed BYU. Who? Kansas State. It was Kansas State just annihilated them this week, wasn't it? TCU. Yeah, forty-one to three. It was K State that annihilated now, them. Now Kansas State. Is suddenly a really good team with their quarterback. Will Howard played quarterback. He played quarterback through three touchdowns. Wow, I've never been. Imp- I was not impressed with that guy when he came to Stillwater, and I thought, 
they need to move on, and I thought they did Mm-mm. against uh, Tech. Yeah. That Will Howard threw three touchdowns. And just a Talk about a mid-season quarterback controversy. They used them both, but Howard was 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 good. The main guy. Yeah, so we'll see. And again, this goes back to OSU's chances here. If I think OSU really needs to watch what Texas does, and if OSU can take care of business, how fun would a Bedlam Big Twelve Championship game be? It'd be pretty nice. We're going to have to look up the. We're going to have to figure out the tiebreakers. We have to figure out how that. And it's going to really happen. get interesting if if OSU wins Bedlam. Then I don't know how anybody's going to figure out who's going to Arlington at that. I mean, at least at least at that point, there's a chance that you'd only have like three teams, since Texas plays Iowa State and Kansas State down the stretch. So it couldn't be like a five teamer with one loss anyway. It could with two. Then it could be a wild. When you get to if, if something like that were to happen, all right around the country, Ohio State does what they do, which is beat Penn State each and every time they play. It seems like a ugly game. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty whatsoever. But Ohio State does get the win. The concerns that uh, we mentioned for Penn State moving forward were absolutely well founded. Drew Aller throwing the football down the field couldn't. 18 of 42 for 191. That's not good quarterback play. He didn't turn it over as far as throwing an interception. Uh, but Ohio State just did enough to win, 20 to 12. Um, so they're right in the thick of the Big Ten uh, race. Let me look at their schedule. They may just be kind of cruising until they have to head up to Ann Arbor. At Rutgers, Michigan State at home, Minnesota at home. At Michigan, you don't see uh, don't see a lot there. No. Nope. Then Ohio, Penn State hosts Michigan. Is that this week? Two weeks coming up. So Big Ten starting to shake itself out as the, as uh, the Pac twelve as well. Utah beats USC for the fourth straight time. Did you see what Emmanuel Acho said mm-hmm. after the game? Tell suggesting Williams should shut it down. Shut it down. I'll tell you what, let's take a break, then we'll come back and talk about that and hit some baseball as well to finish the show. I think there's an interesting dynamic that plays a part in this that wouldn't have, say, five years ago. Skinny on Sports wrapping up on Monday when we come back right here on The Sports Animal. Hi, everybody. This is David Osterloh. Many of you know me because I ran a retail business in Elk City for over 30 years. That's where I learned that if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when it was time to look for a career in real estate, I wanted to land someplace that had the same principles. Western Oklahoma Realty seemed like a natural fit. Putting people before property is the same as taking care of your customers. Since I've been at Western Oklahoma Realty, I've come to understand that is how they do business. People before property is not just a hashtag, it's a way of taking care of customers. When you are looking for your next home, we will find a place that your family can call home. When you are going to sell your current home, we will find a buyer that loves your place as much as you do. Western Oklahoma Realty, where putting people before property is a way of life. Come see us at 602 West 3rd Street. We are in the historic greenhouse on the hill, one block west of Homeland. Or you can check out our website, westernoklamarealty.com, or even call us at 580-225-6271. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal, wrapping up a Monday here with, all right, so Emmanuel Ocho. After the loss from USC, their second loss in a row. This time to the Utah Utes. He tweets out, let me find, I don't want to misquote him. Well, he tweets a bunch. Here it is. (laughs) It says, his tweet was, with national championship hopes gone, Caleb Williams should, should consider sitting out the rest of the season. Heisman's a long shot, college football playoffs even less likely, and he won't play in the bowl game. The risk of playing far outweighs the reward. It's a business decision. 
And that's odd. It looked bad. But I see what he's saying. It'd be unprecedented if you did it. Well, what do you think? You said um, something would prevent that? Yeah, I think there's three little letters out there that prevent this now. N-I-L. If he if he just quits playing, does that money go away? <clears throat> so that, that's what I've always wondered about NIL deals. Do they have clauses in there that says you have to play an X amount of games in a season? You know, barring injury, you know, that's understandable. You can't not pay a kid because he got hurt. But I've always wondered that. If, if there's – any, any clauses in there that say you have to play these games yeah. i've always been on the side of if <laughs> you know you get we're seeing a lot of you know if it if it's a bowl game that doesn't matter in the players eyes they sit out i've thought why don't these money men who are creating these nil deals say hey listen you've got to play a bowl game if you i'll give you a bonus if you play the bowl game if you don't sit out or something like that mm-hmm. i've always wondered <clears throat> if what kind of I don't know the legalese behind it, but I've always wondered if uh, uh, there's anything like that. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing you that think we there just is. have no we idea. Have no clue. But you know, he also has deals with like what is it? Uh, I mean, he's in the like Heisman Win- House, Wendy's, yeah. Nissan, Beats, Beats by Dre, Beats by Dre. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything in there that you know, if they're like, hey, listen, we we you're our face of the brand new hamburger, and we have to see you out there playing. People have to. This doesn't work unless you're out there performing. So there's the NIL part of it, which to me is is kind of down the list. You know, there's all you know, there's that pesky thing of you know being a leader, which at the quarterback spot, that's what you're supposed to be. What would what what would the NFL scouts think? Yeah. About a guy that's supposed to be the leader quitting when things got tough like this. Right. I quitting at the first sign of adversity basically in his career here's another stat did you see, this was popped up during the game on Saturday night and it's the and this is another reason why him playing with whatever the risk of the energy injuries or whatever that being being out there but also so in his career, Obviously, back to back to here in Norman as well. He has started now twenty nine games. Twenty three of those were against non top twenty five total defenses. In those twenty three games, he completes seventy percent of his passes, throws for almost three hundred and a little over three hundred seventeen yards, and he's thrown seventy eight touchdowns versus seven interceptions so a little bit better than 11 to 1 touchdown to interception rate against teams that don't have a top 25 defense against teams that don't play good defense now after the other night he has now played six games against top 25 defenses Going into that game, he had only completed 51% of his passes, averaging 172 yards per game. So he was a little bit better in that regard the other night with two, with 256. And, what, 24 or 34, better than 66, whatever. Touchdown interceptions, six and six. Six touchdowns, six picks against the best, the, the six times now, because he didn't throw either on Saturday night. So a one-to-one touchdown to interception rate against the six top twenty-five defenses that he's ever played. That's a that that you know th- these are things you know when when you're hearing he's the greatest prospect since this or you know all the things that we've heard about him. See, these are the things that the football people in the NFL will find. I mean, everybody wants to clown on draft day, the movie. But is anybody going to Caleb's birthday party? His reaction after the game? Oh, that was that stood out to me. Is that the face of somebody you want leading your organization? Uh, and, and that wants to, by the way, have ownership stake in your organization? 
yeah, him sitting on the bench after the game, I get it's the loss, the passion of wanting to win and the agony of defeat. I get all that, but there's still a part of me like be a man, stand up, shake their hand. We'll get to the Riley stuff tomorrow. Him not making uh, players available after the game to talk. Uh, a lot of the longtime USC people that you saw on Twitter after it happened, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and that's never happened. It's funny, see, because when the people here tried to tell those people out there what would happen, it was sour grapes. Oh, you guys are just hurt. Right. Your heart's broken because he left you. Turns out they were trying to tell you what was going to happen. And the arrogance of the folks out there, they wouldn't listen. And now they're getting a big dose of it. And as Sam said on the uh, text line, Bill Plaschke annihilated Lincoln Riley over the weekend. I read that. And it's going to continue. It's going to absolutely continue to happen if he continues to <clears throat> run his program the way that he always has. So there's no reason to believe he's going to change. We'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep the Riley talk going tomorrow when we when we hit the uh, our top tens and that kind of thing. Real quick though, Jared, what is your pulse for the game tonight? Game seven, ALCS, Rangers, Houston, Scherzer versus Javier. What did I say before this? You said series? Rangers in seven. So. Clearly, I feel pretty good about it. Rangers in seven. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. But when you made that prediction, you hadn't seen Scherzer on the mound. Listen, Scherzer got his rehab start. <laughs> He's good to go now. I was I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It, the the start that's what we were going to get. We were going to get really really good Scherzer, or we were going to get about eighty five percent Scherzer. And you kind of wish the the rehab start would have came at Round Rock in August and not in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. So he got his rehab start. This is this is why you got him. This is why the Rangers went and got him. It's for moments like this, games like this. And if he doesn't work out, they're going to pull in Jordan Montgomery. They're going to they're going to pull out all the stops and so will Houston. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I I said it when the series even before it even started. Rangers in 7. And I'm going to look good tomorrow when the Rangers win it. Scherzer has been in this exact position on this exact mound not that long ago. In 2019. In the only other series in the baseball history I could find that went this way. And that was the road team won every game. Houston's been in this position of falling behind two to nothing on their home field, going and winning three in a row. They did it at Washington in that in the 2019 World Series, and then came back and ended up losing that World Series to Max Scherzer and the Washington Nationals. Here's another note: the Houston Astros this season they're trying to do something that nobody has ever done in the history of Major League Baseball. You know what that is? What would that be? Make the World Series with a losing record on their home field. They went 39 and 42 at home. After last year going like 52 and 20, 52 and 20 maybe? <clears throat> or 52 and 29, something like that. This year, 39 and 42. No team has ever made it to the World Series with a losing record on their home field. I heard they filed a. Uh a, a, a petition to get this game moved to move back it to Arlington. Arlington. <laughs> but it was too late. It was past the deadline. They, they got the Abreu stuff to worry about. That's a storyline that appeal hearing probably happening right now. Probably. Let's see if Abreu, the reliever Abreu, is able to play. Also, the uh, Diamondbacks try to do something that hasn't happened in forever, and that's win a playoff game in Philadelphia. They've got two to stay alive as Philly took a 3-2 lead. Schwarber, Schwarber keeps on hitting bombs. I think he's at five that series, one each game, or what totals to one each game on average. He's now the all-time postseason home run king from the left side of the plate. Talked about him tying Reggie Jackson a couple of days ago. 
Now he's past him with just bomb after bomb. I mean, we don't give Arizona, what do you give them, a 1% chance of winning both of those games? Or even less than that? Uh, maybe less than that. <laughs> uh, you, at Philly is incredibly tough. It seems like a different it's animal, doesn't it? It's crazy there. But up and down their lineup, that I mean, outside of where they're playing, Philadelphia presents problems up and down that lineup. I don't know, and I said this in the going into the series, I didn't know if Arizona had enough pitching to keep up with that. Because if it's not Schwarber, it's, it's Harper. If it's not Harper, it's fill in the blank. Now, Riamuto hit a home run the other exactly. day. Exactly. So it just, <clears throat> yeah, you get those two guys out, they're, they're going to throw another two at you, you know, or a hit against you. So it's a hot lineup right now. Yeah, and guess what? Aaron Nola on the mound for Philly tonight, 3-0 in the playoffs, .96 ERA, 18.2 innings pitched, or 18 to two-thirds, I'm sorry. Struck out 19, walked two against oh. Merrill Kelly. Love to see Arizona win. I got nothing against Philly. It's a, They're awesome to watch and fun to watch, but I just love Game 7. So, First Game 7 since 2000. Awesome. Real quick, no matter who wins tonight. Is Philly the favorite? I think Philly in the World is. Series. I think they are. <clears throat> Vegas says they are. I'm checking it like daily now, but yeah, I would. After what happened to them last year, they're ready to bring home the title. Where? Don't know. Who would have home field? Don't know. Houston or Philly if it's them in Texas. Don't have know. a great Monday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back goodbye. We were sitting around the office one day and tried to explain what Western Oklahoma Realty was. If you had to put it in a dictionary, what would you get? What kind of definition you get? I think I said is, uh, what about, we're people before property. People before property means to me that you care about the person more than you care about what they're buying in that you want them to get the best thing for their circumstances, the best home, the best investment. For all your real estate needs, give Western Oklahoma Realty a call at 225-6271.